Black Box Radio. We are a media platform illustrating black excellence. You already know. We out here. Hey. Little Tone in studio. So Antonia Moore and Little Tone is a street outreacher, a youth leader, and a writer. Am I correct? That's on point. How you doing? Good to be here, Miss Queen. We are so happy to have you. We are so happy. You are definitely, you know, you're a part of our YGB segment, Young, Gifted, and Black. And you are exactly that. You're young, you're gifted, and black. And so, um, we wanted to have this segment because you said something pre- before we started. You said the youth never get to talk. They never get to say their own story. We always tell their story for them because as adults, we feel that we know what you guys need. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to have your voice. And that's why you're here today. So we want to first know about you. So I'm 20 years old now. You know, 20? I'm a, wow. I at Community College in Baltimore County. Okay. Um, you know, I um, got law school dreams. Okay. Recently, I just got a um, contract with the health department over at the um, Youth and Trauma Services. Okay. So I'm working on um, building my own consulting company around youth engagement. Okay. Um, but outside of that, um, my primary work is with um, Challenge to Change, um, a small organization over East Baltimore. Okay. Um, working with um, just young men between the ages of seven to 17 that had way more challenges before they had chances. Wow. You know, that's that's where that. I find my purpose and my joy at. So the way more challenges than they have chances. Absolutely. You know, that is a great sentence. Okay. And you work with them. How, what kind of work does Challenge for Change do with these young people? I mean, we put it simply like this, you know, straight up, this city's youth is in a, a, a real dire need for um, real leadership, guidance, advice, motivation, and education. Mm. You know, when you look at what's going on as far as the trauma and the misguidance that these youth are going through, mm-hmm. um, it takes a special type of people to want to reach back, one, and have the desire and the will and just the, you know, the um, the understanding and relatability to work with these young people. Sure. You know, oftentimes it's too much investment on the back end of um, young people's lives and too much late intervention and there's never enough direct engagement and services um, like just, the prevention stage, absolutely. Yeah, we're you know, into all, all, yeah how engagement. to house them and but um, where is the prevention for this? If we invest in mm-hmm. that; it would be an amazing movement. I mean, I think the prevention on um, the city is starting to wake up as far as a shift going on in city government and the agency. Um, as far as everything need to be trauma responsive. Um, mm-hmm. it's still not enough funding. I think to a lot of programs like Safe Streets. Sure. You know, small grassroots through um, BCYF. Mm-hmm. We all know the Healthy Holly scandal came in and knocked a whole bunch of put that funding on freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, real we need a real emphasis and a real budget restructuring around how we dealing with and engaging our young people. You know, you show me the numbers, show me where the money at, and I show you where your priorities at. And for the past couple of decades, that hasn't been for the city at all. So can you say, you mentioned Healthy Holly. Can you put that in context for us a little bit? I mean, yeah, look, so we all know, um, you know, one of our former mayors, um, Catherine Pugh, was recently um, just came under federal indictment behind some, um, some, some, some ethical wrongs behind a published book, Healthy Holly. You know, I don't know too much about the details, um, but it's holding up a lot of um, 
funds that was dispersed to small grassroots to Baltimore City Youth Fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so it's like, man, Catherine Tudor sneezed and all the small grassroots and caught a cold because of what's going on down City Hall. That's unfortunate. You know, that's unfortunate. And it looks like a lot of times these agencies look for an excuse. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they have the excuse to perpetuate their perspectives, mm-hmm. then they stop everything. Then everybody's bad. And every program is trying to steal. And so now we have this dearth of resources. And people mm-hmm. say, then pull your, pull your boots up. But we ain't got no boots to pull up because you're taking everything away. And that was her scandal. But these organizations, Safe Streets, they need to be funded. You know, even if they make it, I just think that not people say, oh, well, I don't see them doing anything. But if you got that one doing a little and this one doing a little, now we're working towards a movement. But if no one is doing nothing, then we got a lot of murders and we got a lot of problems. And Baltimore's real chaotic right now. Um, I think we had this election for leadership is important, but a lot of this leadership has to start in our own communities. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a real timely point and one of the reasons why I come want to come on here today. Okay. You know, when you talk about um, a, a real need for this election, for Baltimore City to get it right, mm-hmm. we not just talking about Baltimore City, we talking about the country too. Yes. So p- political awareness right now is at an all-time high. You know, us growing up, me being from where I'm from in Baltimore City, mm-hmm. you know, we politics was never something that was really for us, mm-hmm. you know, never directly benefited us. And I know my mother damn sure never got what she voted for. Sure. You know, for far too long, we've been voting for complexion instead of direction. And I like the fact that you emphasize that it all has to start in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these elected officials are leaders because of their titles and not because of their true visibility, connection and influence with the people. You know, so you got a lot of people that that political ambition outweighs that desire and heart to really lead and serve the community. And we've seen a real big disconnect over the last 40 to 50 years from city leadership and government. Ambition is a and, cancer. And, and, and real um, stakeholders. Ambition can be a cancer if you can't control it. You know, Absolutely. it could just eat you alive. And it sometimes you, you lose the viewpoint of, of the people or the product. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know. You know, I'm an implant in Baltimore. I've been here a long time. I've seen a lot of administrations. And I think um, the way that Baltimore is moving, it's so predatory to the act Mm. and not the cause. Mm. So if you're a squeegee boy, we're going to remove you. Mm. But the lack of economics, the lack of access, the lack of education, the Mm. lack of... Um, jobs, the lack of so many things is the reason why they're skeezy boys. So let's work on some of these causes, you know, these root causes. So I see that is, that is, so if everyone doesn't, they feel unsafe because a, a group of black men are squeezing, so we're going to get rid of them. So if if there's all of these murders, then we're going to have more police. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about why, why is this stuff happening? You know, if someone is strong doing a burglary and they're, you know, going up into and they're killing people, kill that woman in her, in the in the carryout. There's a reason for this type of behavior, and all I see in Baltimore is like let's beef up on the back end. Like you said, we always worry about the the back end, like the end. Mm-hmm. But why is these root causes? If we deal some more with these root causes, I think that things would change. You know, poverty is big business. Poverty is real big business. It is a structure you know, business, too. In Baltimore too. City, you know, it's, it's been the prime marketplace, especially for private prisons. Every single prison in the state of Maryland operates privately owned. Privately owned. 
you know, when you talk about the schism, school to prison pipeline, look at Baltimore State, look at the school system. It's been a joke since I can, as long as far I can remember. But mm -hmm. the prisons always stay full. You know, um, Hogan just put up a $35 million youth detention center. I think it was about maybe four or five years ago here in Baltimore City. That's Probably four. You know, that same year they closed 12 schools. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the thing is about an investment, right, is that um, we had to realize since the beginning, since we was brung here, you know, it was always business to have a personal. We always took it personal because we the ones that built it up. You know, we the ones losing our lives and we put the blood, sweat, and tears into making this country the great place that it is. But we just never get to enjoy it. You know, first on the earth, last to be understood. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at today, nothing's really changed as far as, you know, um, it being about business and never personal. Right now, we got a, a leader in this country, um, President Trump. You know, I, some I'm a con man for real, but a lot of people like label him as a businessman. And Did you what say we Trumpy? see, yeah, you, you know, they, a lot of people call him Agent Orange, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, y'all that. But the, the main point of it is, is this. When you operating about business, it's never personal. So when you're moving on business, it's never about the people, right? So when you talk about um, private prisons mm -hmm. and, you know, um, people profiting off of poverty, these big nonprofits here in the state of Maryland, you know, that get a lot complex. of these monies and mm -hmm. a lot of this money and it never really t touches the people in the way it needs to touch the people. We got to realize this. Um, we are somebody else's paycheck. Our griefs, our loss, our pain is somebody else's paycheck, you know, and until we get the proper leadership in place um, as far as at the levels and we need to be, whether it's state agencies or, you know, the presidential seat, we will begin to see a real shift in front end investment and root cause addressing. But um, right now we have to do what we can with what we got, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm hopeful of a future where we don't profit off of people's pain, but. Poverty and fear has always been big business in this country. Well, it is the inception of the country um, of, mm. of some type of oppression because mm. poverty is only oppression. Mm. It is only a form of it. So that's the inception. But the question, and you being young, and yeah, that's, and yeah, that's yeah, why we yeah. have you in here. Right. Mm. I want to hear your perspective on, because you're saying until we get leadership. Mm -hmm. But what what about what's going on in our own, what is what is our onus in the and our responsibility. Because mm. I think leadership has a, a heck of a... Because they, mm -hmm. they touch us with digital imprints. Mm. And they make us all move. They engineer us. Mm. But us in our own community, what's the onus for us? What do we need to do? Hey, we got to make some look, changes, straight, straight up. I'm going to tell you this straight up, man. Men, up. we got to step up. We, Men, we got to step up. You know, I was... I was so fortunate enough to catch the previous guest in here in the studio in here with his little son, man. That's what it's all about. It is. You know, 20, 2018, um, 20, 2018, um, it was 2019, um, the city released some data. They said only 50% of these households are single parent, single mother households. Mm. And we got Maryland, state of Maryland has the highest incarceration rate with young males between the 18 and 24 in the country. Mm -hmm. Right? Men, we got to step up. You know, it's... it's, it's it's real unfortunate how the previous generation that came before us never built a connection with this generation. Now, we as a people, we have to have a sense of ownership over all our children in our community, not just your kids, not just who you know who you related to. Because what you see is, is a generation of men that's afraid to be real big homies to these young kids. And that's a lot of what they're missing. These kids, let me tell you something. It is so easy for you to turn around and, 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 and look away from when a kid is doing something wrong. But it takes a real man to step up and get out your comfort zone and say, hey, little bro, we can do better than that. We can figure this thing out. What's going on with you? You know, and I, I'm starting to say come together in the city, though. You know, We these. have to do that. The men have to have to talk to these brothers because there's so much females can do. 
You know, it's absolutely. Just so much you can and for do. far too long, our women been the ones stepping up to hold our communities together. Yes. You know, we always think about the backbone of our communities. It always been our black women. Mm-hmm. When we get out of jail, when we get in trouble, I always knew my mother was going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my mother was the only one in my life. You know, my father wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's, that's a common thread throughout the whole community. Sure. You know, women being the ones stepping up to be brave enough to say, like, stop the killing, stop the shootings. Yeah. You know, even when we had the candlelights, they the ones up front, in front of everybody. Right. You know, why the men just in the back just... Well, they, they need to be the ones in front. We right. need to be the ones to take the bullets and the slashes and the hurt. Right. As a community, we got to step up and protect our own. The police can't do it, won't do it. City Hall, damn sure, don't even have an inkling of an idea how to get this thing. Right. Yeah, you, you're making some really great points. And I'm interested in, uh, as young as you are, right. um, how you got to this level of awareness. Like, yes. what, like what were some of the things that impacted you as you were growing up to Absolutely. bring you to this level of awareness? Because- you know, there are a lot of people your age in the same situation, but they're mm-hmm. not they're, clueless. Um, they're not thinking about the, the, the situation from your perspective, the way yeah. that you're presenting it. Yeah, so say a little bit about kind of what got you to this point. I'm not even going to lie. When I was 16 years old, getting in the trouble that I was in, you know, wasn't engaged in high school, got kicked what, out of my high school. Okay, what kind of trouble? Let's Man, get some context. Where, where were you, where you, where we want to hear the story. I was up at the um, Baltimore City College, but I got kicked out. Okay. So I'm going to tell you straight up. My mother raised me right. I did all the wrong on my own. Right. Check you this know, out. So running so the streets, you know. To give, uh, you, to give everyone listening the context. We want this story. No, no. I'm I'm a clear. I want to make a comment just about right. what you've said so far. So you said you went to you went to city and got kicked out. But mm-hmm. the fact that you got into city already says something about sort of like, you know, the, the way schools are here, they mm-hmm. are selective. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you got it's into city, level. it, it, it mm-hmm. already kind of showed that you had some potential. Yep. Absolutely. You know, the first seven letters of potential is the word potent, right? Go ahead, So bro. oftentimes what we have to understand is even the, the, the worst of us got some good inside of us, right? All day long. So a lot of times as young people, us growing up and developing, you know, we're not aware of these just hidden talents and, and potential that's hidden deep inside of us. And to us tapped into, mm-hmm. you know, you would never really discover your true greatness. And I think that's what 2019 was for me. You know, everything coming together and, and being really tapped into my greatness. You know, um, like at 16, 16, 17, I couldn't even see half of what was going on this year, like in my future. I didn't know what the hell my future was going to look like. I was so just, I was just lost out of it. Nothing was going right. I wasn't even in school. You know, I didn't even have a damn learner's permit. You know, and I'm just thinking, how the hell am I going to figure so this out? So how did out? this turn? Yeah, so... Give us the context mm-hmm. on how did that change? What was the changing point? You no, know, fortunately enough, you know, I was able to um, be way through high school, you know, uh, and for that, um, just a multitude of people. I just started listening to the right people, honestly. It's all about who you surround yourself with, right? So when you talk about getting to where I was, I was listening to the wrong people, right? And I never want to listen to people that want to tell me something good, right? And when you find trust in people that you can relate to and that can be credible enough to um, give you these certain lessons that you just can't take from anybody else, then it make a huge difference in your life. So it's all about having a quality connected relationship with somebody that can trust you and that can that love you enough to keep it real with you. Because I had a lot of people that love me, but they only love me enough to be comfortable enough and to be comfortable around them. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah, leaders only want to associate in themselves. Their space, exactly. Not in your own space. Exactly. I mean, it's okay. like this, straight up. Winners only hanging with other winners. 
Mm. Love association and too real. Mm. Right. You know, so when I was surrounding mm. myself with that people, that same mindset, I was around a lot of lost, broken people. Let's be real about that. Yep. A lot of these people, you know, are lost and broken. I was one of those lost kids. A lot of the kids that I was around, they was broken. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a difference. You know, because you got some kids that are at risk and you got some kids that are risking it all. Mm. And a lot of these kids, I was around, fortunately enough, you know, I, I come from a household. I, I did have a single parent. We grew up poor. You know, but it, none of my family members was on drugs. You know, my brother was um, in and out of the streets getting locked up and stuff like that. But I made those choices to do wrong on my own. You know, and it was a matter of hustle more than survival with me. But a lot of these kids, a lot of my homeboys, man, they I'm talking about this is a matter of survival. And there's a real big difference about that. It's a matter of survival. Right. That's the only way they're going to make it. Absolutely. And you as talk far about, as they can see. Yeah. Absolutely. See, Just so. hopeless and desensitized. So now I made it my business to go back and reach those mm. types of kids. Because those are the ones, as a population of kids, right? Mm -hmm. That because a lot of people can't relate to them and it's hard to acknowledge them, they'd rather ignore them. Right? Mm. So those are the kids uptown. And a lot of the kids from the fortunate backgrounds, they less lucky and blessed enough to live and operate downtown. But let me tell you this. If you don't save Uptown, mm. Uptown will come down and destroy Downtown. All day long. You know. All so we, we've been doing it for long. far too long in the country, in the city. We've been sweeping our kids under the rug, into the juvenile system, in and out of these systems, right? Not realizing these kids will age out and get older. And they will start to commit more crimes. So if you don't feed that kid tomorrow, today, he might be taking, knock you upside the head and take your sandwich tomorrow. And that's what's been going on. That's, what's, that's totally what it is, is you think that you can put people in an area mm -hmm. and keep them there. But it doesn't work like that. And the universe doesn't work. What you put in will come out. So if you put all these folks in one area, right. you, you, they have no access, they have no resources, they're fighting amongst each other, and you create the fight. Mm -hmm. At some point, it's not going to be any more resources. Do you know where they're coming? To you. Because mm -hmm. they got to come where the stuff is. Mm -hmm. So you don't win that way. The, the way to win is equity. Is allowing everyone to eat off the fruit. Absolutely, but we, well, like but I said earlier, is uh, is business. It's not it's, a person. Yeah, and it's pride though. It's a lot of ego in it, and it's a lot of people who. It's a lot of I got to be on top, mm. and and that's the problem. And it's a lot of selfishness. Absolutely, it, it is not that everyone has to be super rich, but everybody can eat. But the way that they things are distributed, everyone can eat. But it has this class that has to be on top of everybody else. That's the issue. And I'm not saying that white or black, it's the wealthy. Absolutely. You write about that. And the wealthy is every color. Can. You know, and they have this thing where they have to have and everybody else have to work for them. And that's and it never works. It never works. You it's too top heavy. So we have to find a way to distribute the resources and we have to have, find a way to reinvest in communities. Now that comes from leadership, as you say. So you sound like you're in the politics. Because well, you got some verses for us. Well, there is, um, I think he sounds like he's uh, he's politically effective, Very. but not but not necessarily operating on in that realm. No, I don't directly. think in. I'm not saying operating. I'm saying into politics like you defer to it. He's talked about it. I met him in a political situation. Right. So when I say that, because I know you're not, you're 20 years old, so it's going to be a minute. Before you can defray in the politics, so right now you're you're watching, I'm sure. And I saw you at a mayoral debate. So what are you doing when it comes to the mayoral um, race in Baltimore? Man, like I said earlier, you're a community guy. It's, it's critical. You know, me never, never. I don't have any political ambition. 
You know, I never wanted to grow up and say I wanted to be a politician. I don't even see myself, um, but a lot of people see it in me to be a leader of a city. That's that's a real big compliment mm-hmm. and affirmation, by the way. But I always, you know, affirm the fact that I never I don't have any political ambition. Okay. You know, and for me, this year I have to get my young people politically engaged. I'm but talking you have about candidates we, we got a that chance. You like, you know, so you Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? We, like we, politically, we got a chance. what do you think what's going on with our climate? Who do you think has a has a good message? Matt. First um, of, young people mm-hmm. or have their ears to that type of thing, you know. First off, this is one candidate in the race. I got I just gotta give a big shout out to that's Carmichael Stokey Kennedy. Carmichael Stokey Kennedy. Um I'm re- really first off, man, this is the first year that we can feel some hope about city leadership. We can get it right, young people. I'm telling you, even for not even just young people, our communities as a whole. So if you come from the side of Baltimore that don't look like downtown or where your schools never had, you can never drink from the water fountain because it was lead water in there, where your son was lost to the streets because of murder and the first responders left his blood on the pavement and the news cameras came in and swooped your story up and then they often run into the races with it. If you from the side of Baltimore where your your neighborhood looks like blocks and blocks of vacant houses and no development while downtown is flourishing, then Carmichael Stoke Kennedy is the leader you need to represent you. I always tell people all the time, um, you can't fix a situation if you don't know how it works. A lot of these politicians are going into leadership without the lived experiences or relationships necessary to make change for the people who can't enter into their realms themselves. You know, Forgotten Baltimore remain Forgotten Baltimore because nobody ever could step up from Forgotten Baltimore and leave from a position like a mayoral seat. You know, you got a lot of candidates running right now. Um, Thiru Viganadra, mm-hmm. you know, um, federal prosecutor who has a real different perspective on what this city needs. And he's appealing to the side of Baltimore that don't look like us. And it ain't even about and complexion. he's from the lock mode, lock up mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You See, know, these we tried this already. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even cut you off, but we tried this already as far as mass incarceration and, you know, the sweeping everybody under the rug and it ain't work. Mm-hmm. You know, in 20, I think it was 2015, 2013, we locked up, uh, what was that, 105,000 people? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it ain't work. O'Malley. O'Malley, under O'Malley. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is this, young people, we got the power to make a difference. You know, and it's been done throughout history. Look at the civil rights movement. Absolutely. Look at what's going on across the country with the climate change, with the school shootings and everything. Young people, we can get this right for our city. You know, get out, get politically engaged. And it don't even have to be Stokey. It just got to be a leader you feel like has your best interest at heart. And that's all that matters. But I can say this. If we don't get this right and we don't get the right leadership, mm-hmm. those population of kids that leadership can't relate to and won't acknowledge... They will be heard and they will be felt. And don't wait till they come at your front door to want to be a part of the change. I'm going to leave it straight like that. How did you um, how did you encounter or become involved with or um, identify Stokey as the candidate that you see as a, a good choice? So um, first off, Uncle T, Terry Williams, um, CEO and founder of Challenge of Change. That's oh, like my, my, my spiritual dad, like my mentor. Right. Yeah. So um, his organization, Challenge of Change, is what I do my primary work with. Um, and him and, and Stokey um, had this real great relationship to the point where um, Stokey has been real supportive of Uncle T's program, understanding how underfunded and undersupported it is. Um, real community leader, a leader we can really say is with the people. So I'm talking about 
outside of Uncle T, I, I seen Stokey in many different events just in the community, engaging, relating with the youth, you know, even building relationships with the squeegee kids, which city leadership has talked about, hmm. not to talk about them without them. Absolutely. Paid a consultant $2.1 million to figure out a plan for these kids. And it costs less than that to go to these kids, maybe hold a couple of focus groups and say, what do we need Thank for you. y'all to get y'all out these damn corners? But when you don't think they're valuable, then you don't care about this story. Man, one of these, that's, some of these squeegee totally kids. It. Oh my God. They don't, they don't care about, they're not valuable. So they feel that they can legislate for them or legislate them away. So they will never give them a voice. And it's so unfortunate. Let me tell you something. Forgotten. Let me tell you something about Baltimore's youth, man. I'm, it's unfortunate. If someone never picked me up out the dirt and brushed that dust off me, I would never say that I was a diamond in the rough. Look at those, that. Those, those squeegee kids out there, they, they are, are walking. They are diamonds, man. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, some of these kids got aspirations of being a lawyer, an astronaut, police officer. They just need I had, Some of these is my homies. Yeah. You know, and, and some of these kids got real barriers that's affecting their social mobility, and we never want to talk about that. Hmm. That's real. Listen, for 20, you laying it. You laying it on us today. This is why YG, YGB, that's you. Because you, you're definitely um, so insightful. Mm. What you're saying comes from years of, of thought. So either you're around some people who are thinking and y'all having some real conversations. And also the exposure that you're giving to yourself. Mm -hmm. Exposure means so much. When you keep a child in East Baltimore, you take the same two children in the household and same come from the same stuff. Let one travel, experience different people, and let one stay in East Baltimore and see what you get. I promise you, there'll be two different beings from the, the same mother and father or the same mother because the exposure, the other stuff, is what gives you texture. It was, it's what expands your thought process, which then expands vocabulary, which then expands your thirst for more information so you can keep feeding that. So I'm hearing this from you. And what I'm also hearing is like you're directing that into your path and you're trying to find out what you're doing. But I see you're doing a lot of community work, right? And does this community work you want to, do you think will move into some type of program for yourself or are you looking to just finish school and kind of go from there? What's your trajectory of, of what Lil Tone's going to do? I mean, here? first thing is this, we, um, I'm back and forth on it a little bit as far as my own nonprofit. Maryland don't, Baltimore don't need another nonprofit. Right. You know? This nonprofit How is many crazy. nonprofits do we have here, Absolutely. man? Like, we, <laughs> man, we got so many different agencies and, and different organizations that's doing amazing work, you know, around the city and the communities. You know, we don't need another nonprofit. We no, just we need don't. the ones we have that work together and be expanded. And really get to these young people, man. Well, that's, that's, all, that's a whole what it's new, all about. That's a whole new thing right there. The work, you said work together? Work together, for real. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's too much silo work going on. And, you know, we a lot of our kids is falling through the cracks. Mm -hmm. A lot of our direct service population is falling straight through the cracks. I mean, for me, um, what God got for me is for me. I mean, I I, I know um, um, just my my dreams of law school, however that's going to fold. I'm, I'm, I want to use my degree to come back and help the people. You know, specifically the ones going through and in and out of the system. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, That's a beautiful thing. And I, you, you got to stay in school. Keep doing it. Stay out in the state community. Mm -hmm. Stay in school. 
because this community needs, our community needs layers of help. We need young lawyers with tenacity, with real love for the people. We need, yeah, we need plumbers, anything that is in our community, that when they come in our community, we help each other and it fosters our community for growth. We need it. We need doctors. We mm-hmm. need landscapers. We need mm-hmm. street sweepers. We need everything. We need judges. Mm-hmm. We need everything. In our, we need to co-op again. I don't know. You're, you're really young. And this is really before my time, where we had co-opted neighborhoods. And that meant that we had neighborhoods with every profession, from the pimp to the judge. Uh, she said straight up. Straight up, because we, because all of that's a part of our neighborhood. And, you know, pimping is their hustle. That's their hustle. Mm-hmm. And regardless if you like it or not, <laughs> look, pimping has come up. Let's be clear. <laughs> you know, from the day when, when I was young, pimping was a problem. But it's mm. not really an issue like it used to be. Mm. It's been flipped by technology. Mm. So um, we still pimping, but we pimping, in, you know, in a different way. Mm. So, but you had everything in the neighborhoods. You had the doctor, the judge, because we had to live together. So you, a child or anyone in that neighborhood had reference. You could see a teacher. Mm-hmm. You could see a judge. Mm. You could see a doctor that looked like you that was maybe four or five doors that you had some type of relationship with because y'all was on the same street. For sure. Or streets away. That neighborhood, he was a viable part of that neighborhood as you was. Mm -hmm. So everybody was intertwined because the viability of the neighborhood is everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have these co-opted neighborhoods, you have professionals and then you have non-professionals. Everybody's gleaning from each other. Right. Even a judge in that neighborhood is getting a relationship with the people who are not doing what they're supposed to do. And he's able to understand that they're people first mm. before they come before you. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're getting this experience together. So then it gives texture to everything. And so we don't have those neighborhoods anymore. And if we did, it would give us value because you would see more, not a bunch of vacant buildings, not people. Some people don't even, you, I see people get up in the morning and go straight to the stoop. Don't even go to work. Mm-hmm. You would see real movement in the in the neighborhood. Kids would say, "Well, listen, there's jobs out here. This is what you got to do to get these jobs." You know, during the day, the, in, the the neighborhood is empty, like a real neighborhood should be, because people are working and doing what they're supposed to be doing. You get what I'm saying? So the viability of our neighborhoods need to change. We need to connect with each other, and with the young people, how do we bring you guys into the because? You most of you're living with parents, mm-hmm. you know, and so at this point, like when you're twenty, when you're twenty, like you are, what is your first thing you want to do? You want to get your own place. What What is what you would want to do as a young man in your community? Man, you know, I ain't even never really think about because that. I always wonder, like, what young people because it's hard out here for sure. You know, and I, listen, if I'm young, I'm staying with my parents uh-huh. <laughs> until I can figure it out. So, you know, because it takes a while to figure this thing out. Yeah, for sure. But what what we realize is about this community, a lot of these kids don't have the luxury of it being an option to even say, To even figure it out. Like, all right, you figure it out or say, when I turn turn 18, uh, I feel comfortable enough to know that I got a place at home. You know, because a lot of times some of these kids is in foster care. So when they age out mm. and they no longer a paycheck, they parents kicking them out the door. Here we go. Or the parent, they, they either living in a struggling household where maybe they aren't and they all cousins, they all living in there anyway. Right. 
So when you age out, they like, all right, if you don't got nothing to contribute to the household, you gotta go. You gotta go. Right. And 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 really that that trauma that um just that's that, trauma. that that's that's real because it's a luxury and it's uh, um a privilege to be able to know you still got a place at home while you figure it out. And for a lot of people in our community, because of the financial strains, it ain't really a luxury for a lot of kids. You know what? That's why we need you. Because see, me, I'm coming from the standpoint, the mm. standard is you have structure. Mm. The standard is there's somebody to you can fall back on. Mm-hmm. But that's not the standard in a lot of people's lives. They don't have nobody to fall back. Mm-mm. They don't have no luxuries. Mm-mm. So at 18, you either going to fly or mm-hmm. you going to fall. One of them. Straight up. Fly or die. Fly and or die. No, for real. Really die. And, and that's real talk. So that brings a whole new perspective. And we need to know that. That kids don't really have luxuries. Like we think, okay, well, stay home until you figure it out. Ain't no home to stay to. Mm-mm. Or home falling apart. So when you get old enough to work or get out on that block, that's what you got to do. You know, like. You know, it's, it's kids right now that don't have the luxury of just being kids. Like I said earlier, way more challenges before they had chances. You know, mm. a lot of our youth are, are so much in the position of being indigent at a young age and their parents' financial strains being a, a stressor on them to the point where you see 13-year-old kids out on the squeegee block trying to feed himself or his sibling, mm. right? You will see kids that's... I, I, tell, I say it all the time. Like I, I really honestly feel like they really want to address what's going on. I told the Surgeon General this. This is a public health crisis. Though not even just in Baltimore City, across the country, right? Yeah. Our young people do not have the luxury to just worry about going to school and focusing on school, a system that ain't even working for them. You know? That is so true. That's and, straight up. And, and that is straight. And listen, we need to hear this because every time that I hear people talking about youth, mm. there's no youth present. Oh, no. It's always the... Older people legislating for the younger people, and they're so out of touch. Absolutely. That's because their thought and their standards come from maybe where they were, or when they were young, things have changed. Or from a book. Or from a book that they don't, they don't know nothing about, a perspective. And there's a lot of people legislation legislating for brown children who never will know how it is to be brown in this country. Absolutely. And, and brown or broken. You know, it ain't right. even about complexion either, because all, all skin ain't your kin. Oh, you dig what I'm saying? So All day, I dig we, it. We, we, this, here's the thing, right? We in an age right now, and I'm starting to see some change to it as far as how things are operating in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, 2019 um, was a real great year. Mm-hmm. Um, not not for myself. Like, I, I had a lot of successes and a lot of great things to be happy about. I took a lot of losses, too. I lost a lot of people in 2019. Mm. Like, the, 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 the mental stress and trauma on me is crazy. But you know, when I friends. say 2019 mm. for Baltimore's youth was a preview of a coming attraction, not only am I seeing youth leaders rise up and say I'm a, I'm in in great organizations like Heart Smiles, um, Challenge to Change, you know, um, Young and Engaged, um, the Treehouse Project, a lot of these different um, youth organizations, you know, um, that are growing real leaders who just becoming the change they need to see. Mm-hmm. What President Trump said about the country last year, man, if, if only somebody could came to Baltimore and sought out what was going on positively, they would have seen what he was saying. Man, let me tell you something about these kids. And and me being from Baltimore, me being a young leader from Baltimore, when I got a chance to go outside the country 
and 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 stand some of next to these same kids they putting on the pedestals and you know traveling around the country to go beat up the mark of youth leadership. I'm telling you, ain't nobody had the passion, ain't nobody had the drive, ain't nobody had that that spunk, that straight up spirit like a kid like me. Because a lot of these kids, these opportunities is just platforms and fun and resume building for them. But you give a kid like me that come from a community where opportunities and resources ain't never coming along. This is handed to them. And, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate enough that I knew how to hustle and build relationships with people that found it enough to bet on me mm-hmm. because they knew that that, that 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 return on investment was too good to be overlooked. Man, I'm telling you, if all kids from this city get the same opportunities, some of these kids in Parkland, Florida and Marjorie Stoneland Douglas and Look, I'm telling you, we gonna be we gonna be something that can't be guarded. I'm just straight up. That's amazing, and but the, you know, and that's where it comes to us older folks when it comes to our young, our youth. Mm-hmm. We gotta find a way to have our own resources for you guys. Mm-hmm. It is we cannot expect the folks who are perpetrating the problem mm. to help you fix the problem. Mm. That's got to come from inside, and that's where we have to get more exclusive in how we do things together. And our funding has to get right because we have to fund young people from our own perspectives. You know, you you say with the kid, the stuff that these kids get from, from Marjorie Stone because they control the narrative. Mm-hmm. Their parents, uncles, friends are the ones who are legislating for the money to come out. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You only fund which what is actually... Um, Responsive to you, absolutely. You and you're not thinking about what's that's human. That's not even discrimination. That's human. You you think about things that's the mostly that's responsive to your life, and the people who are doing the legislating or the people who disperse the funds, they don't live our lives. So for us to expect for them to fund our come up, it's misguided. We got to fund our own come ups, and it might sound crazy but it's the only pathway to autonomy. Because even when someone funds your come up, they are mm-hmm. gonna have to be in it. They're gonna wanna know what you're doing because you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna utilize the, that same come up. Again, that's how they keep applying different, different programs. It's not coming from, listen, oh, I wanna help these people. No, mm. they fund somebody, they see, you have to submit everything that you do. They got a, now a blueprint. And they just institute it and then put their people in place. And now we have the nonprofit complex that we have Mm. of all the programs that probably came from the people who actually had the problems. Then they came in, added the money and the malicious list, and now they don't serve nobody. Hey, listen, that is why funding and politics are so important Mm. because you set the peoples in place. Because your peoples pay your peoples. <laughs> Real talk. That's what they're doing. This is business. Didn't you say it wasn't personal? <laughs> you right about that. Running, running sure up. The mayorship is business. Running a state is business. The government reacts. It carries on like a business. It might be people actually instituting the movement, but it's a system that is already set in place. And mm. all you got to do is set people in it to make it go forward. And then people put the maliciousness to the system. People say, well, why is the system so prejudiced? The system is the system, people prejudice. Mm. Let's be clear. So the system has um, prejudice tendencies because they set it up. 
But to keep it prejudiced, someone has to institute that movement. You get what I'm saying? That's a human movement. Mm-hmm. Prejudice is not human. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a way of a state of being, a state of knowing. So to Im- imply that or to impact someone else's life with that, you have to apply it. It comes from the human, right? So when we're doing these things and we're wanting the same type of funding from them other for, for other folks good, we playing ourselves. Mm. Because they don't have to have a school shooting to fund the, sh- the shit that's happening in our neighborhoods. Mm. Real talk, bro. The neighborhood has been dilapidated for 30 years. You don't need a school shooting for that. You know that. You could go see it. East Baltimore, over East, Hopkins, and took, took, we could see it. It's not like, oh, well, maybe this is happening. No, it's happened. It's going to keep happening. And until we wise up, they're going to push you out the way. Absolutely. You see, as a people, we never understood. We never got that education on paperwork, right? And one thing that's certain, paperwork make the paperwork. You dig what I'm saying? So because we ain't understand how the paperwork goes, we can never make the paperwork for us. You know, and that's what's been going on. And we are too, we have, we're too humane. Mm. We were talking about um, the manual, Mm. Machiavelli. And I got to pick it up. It's a read about power. And you as a young brother, you so powerful, bro. So we need to get this book together. But that's what Tupac read. And he became Machiavelli because then he started to understand power mm. and how Europeans function in power and how people, not even anyone, functions in power. And this young, the, um, what Naeem said about power is, and it was so amazing he said that how can you be a good man amongst all evil men? It never works. You got to be evil to get power. <laughs> Listen, you how you sitting back is how my mom was thinking. Like, I got to get and it's He said it's a hard read. So did G because it's a manual. So, you know, manuals, you just want to skip to number 20. You don't want to go one, two, and read each one. So it's a manual, but I'm going to have to read that because we think we understand power, but we don't because power don't even have paperwork. Mm. It just be. Because you said the paperwork, you got to know how the paperwork to make the paperwork. Power don't need paper. <laughs> it don't need it. It's a state of being and it's controlling. And then it puts systems in place because it's already there and it just makes it all work. So now we got to understand what power is to understand what we're dealing with. And if you are good and we, you know, me and you, we love our people. We love the community. We want to be good people. But good in a pawn of evil. <laughs> you okay, bro? Nah, this is serious, <laughs> I, I, man. This is serious. It's serious. I want to knock it's your serious. head off. But that's that's kind of what I got from the conversation. And, and you being a young brother, I want to share that with you. Like, we got to learn how to deal with this power. You, you know what? I I want to I want to open up a um a, a thought school real quick, right? I want to let's do open it. Up. So open it. So Machiavelli, right? That sounds pretty European, maybe pretty pretty um it's you European. know. But I feel like as far as our people. You know, where we come from, our indigenous people with so much power and knowing and understanding our history, right? That's the number one power. So I feel like our people figured it out as far as a village, right? And 
you know, I don't even know where I even seen this at probably somewhere in my childhood. Mm-hmm. But I know this. I know this straight up. In Europe and in England, the king sat on the throne. And those that was the leader of the people. Mm-hmm. They sat up in the high mighty chair up in some tall, some tall tower somewhere in the, in, in the, in the, um, in the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And the people operated. And he came down from his throne whenever he wanted to do whatever he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like as far as where we come from, the village elders always could be found in the village, mm-hmm. right? And the leaders of the village were always still a part and living in the village. Mm-hmm. So you could go to the hut or the, 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 um, the tent of mm-hmm. whoever the elder was and get the wisdom and get the knowledge. And, you know, as far as our people, man, I'm telling you, they understood how it worked as far as this youth engagement thing. Um, you know, I'm going to give you the African village model set up. Mm-hmm. At five to seven years old, you know, children are gathering supplies and, you know, tools to make weapons, right? Mm-hmm. At 12 to 14 years old, they now enlisting and joining the battalion, mm-hmm. right? You know, the local militia to foster a sense of ownership and protecting and owning the village, right? Mm-hmm. At 16 to 17 years old, they become the leaders of the militia and the battalion. So they learning leadership and mm-hmm. they really guiding and they really being the young energy needed to carry the fight forward. And mm-hmm. then at 24 years old, mm-hmm. they were 25, they return back to the village as elders, mm-hmm. right? So when you talk about a sense of social ownership, the bottom-up approach was always the best way. Mm-hmm. And us... As uh, people, we figured it out, right? But we don't have those teachings and those same scribes and those books as Machiavelli because he who controls the pen controls history. We never got a chance to control the pen. Mm-hmm. We were stripped and made to be people of trade. But that's up but until we, slavery, bro. But we're talking about whole African history. Absolutely. We started the pen. Absolutely. We started the book. We started the tablet. We started history because we were the ones who wrote it. We're the mm-hmm. ones who scribed it on, on, on the tomb. So what you're saying is the history that what we were taught, like mm-hmm. that was stripped. But really, there was a time before the 1400s. And that's what we, and, and because African-Americans feel that our history started at slavery mm-hmm. or, it, or the beginning of the middle, and that's not where it started. Mm-hmm. That was the invention by the European to start your history so you can think that you came from a system. Mm. But really you came from the most, <laughs> the only self-sufficient nation in the world. Absolutely. Let's be clear. But because we want to live, I was saying to you, in this European society, this mm. is where we want to be. Because we can leave. You don't have to stay in the U.S. We want to stay. Well, because we're well, familiar. Well, here's the thing, and, and We're familiar. Everybody can't leave. So this this is one of the things about the idea is you can leave. Everybody's not in a, in a position to leave. Mm-hmm. If you're in a position where you are able, you have the resources, you have the means where you can leave, that's different than someone who is here. They don't, that choice isn't open to everyone. Well, I I beg to differ because I think it's it's whatever the human really wants to do, the human can do it. I see us going trips. We go to Europe. No. no, no, let me finish. Because to go to another country, the the come up is so much less 
you, you then to come up here. Mm. You can buy something and own it and be in that system. And, and and I'm not even talking about Africa. You can go to other countries because you can go to Africa. You can go to other countries too. You don't have to stay in the U.S. Well, I think but the I, come a, up is different if you have this money. Right. So you can save and you can pull and move in five years if you really wanted to. Anywhere. But our process is we're familiar with this system and it's okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that we have to understand if to live in this system, we have to understand the system. Right. And that's where a book like I'm saying, Emmanuel Machiavelli, it's, you don't have to move. I'm not saying that, bro. But I'm saying if we really wanted to move, I, we could yeah. move. Well, I just want to really acknowledge you, a you person. You can move. I'm just, I, I want yeah. to acknowledge a person who can't see next week's food. Mm-hmm. Next week's meal. Mm -hmm. That's not. That's not a concept that is that's anywhere. True. And that's that's what I'm saying. I'm not right. saying about like the overall philosophical question of can you go. Mm -hmm. But if you are preoccupied, you talked about poverty. If you're preoccupied with your next with your Me. next meal, true. trying to escape it's hard. to that level is not even something that's on the radar for you yet. Sure. Right. So you have to you know be where you you know be where you are mm -hmm. and figure out how to. Um, how to get to the next step? You can't. You can't skip steps. I don't know if you've seen that meme where the where the dude be. They have him at the bottom of the steps, and he's doing a split, trying to go four steps up yeah, at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got. You, you got to go step by. You got to go step by step. Yeah. So for some people, like you're at a level of both consciousness and means where that decision is one that you're ready to make now, whether do I want to True. exist in this space or True. do I want to move on, to move on. But for some people it's like, how do I improve my situation? So I that eat? I have, how do I, yeah. So that I can eat tomorrow and True. eat next week. So, True. so that's something that is. And that's um, what I'm saying. We need to, and that's what I'm saying. Not all of us are going to leave this system. Mm -hmm. So we need to know how to move in this system. And we got to read different. I think we got to get into, like he was saying, you got to read a book. That's going to tell you what power does mm. and how to be powerful mm. within a system like this. You, we're we're consuming things that don't make us greater in this system. You, you get what I'm saying? Like we consume the Bible. Not saying it's a it's a bad book. Listen, y'all don't come for me because I'm not talking about Christianity. And I'm not <laughs> talking about the Bible. But the consumption of the Bible is the is a is a grand basis for our lack of movement. And I'm not saying spiritual, spiritually, the Bible is probably doing amazing things in people's lives. But I think when it comes to the movement of fear and, and, and what is based in our consumption of it, of it does not make us live here in a greater mode. You not live on earth because you cannot aspire to be somewhere else and live great where you are. You have to you have to want to live here first before you want to be there. But everybody's like, no, you build your mansion somewhere else. Okay, that's fine. But how are you going to exist here? So I think we get we forget how to live here. So we need to consume things that's going to make us greater here. That's what I was saying more or less when it comes to like Machiavelli. Right. You know. And and, and and to be clear, you haven't read it yet, right? No. Okay. So, no, but I've so also, I, I want to make sure you're not like misquoting from it. The people who read it and then also went and started scamming. Right. Okay. You know, okay. scanning through it and, and reading some <laughs> passages because now I'm, 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 I right, want to know what right. this is. Because, you know, somebody listening might might have read it and like, wait, what? No, Naeem, I'm only saying what Naeem said about, right, you right. know, being good in the evil world. You know, that was a... Yeah, he... Yeah. That wasn't... He, a, and, and and also he said always good. It's not it's not saying that you have to just be evil. Mm -hmm. I think it's really just thinking about um separating the um 
learning how to be effective in the context of a situation that you're in mm. rather than trying to abide by a code that doesn't apply there. Mm. So, so when you think about, for yeah, instance, that is big. So that, said. I think that is a more like, it's about really being strategic and mm. you're the way that you are trying to make something to hap- make something happen. You have to be, Willing to do some things that might feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but the Your situation compass might move around, but you need to do it. Well, especially if there is a lot of times there's a greater good that you're trying to that you're trying to achieve. So mm-hmm. you make choices in the moment that might not feel like if every in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to make mm-hmm. in a perfect world. You wouldn't have to confront this person in this way in a perfect world. You might not have to do some of these things, but you have to weigh what is the outcome that I'm looking for? Mm. And is this the way that I need to get it? Mm. Nah, you know? real tough. You see, you see how it happened the last couple of years as far as the president. He knew exactly what he was doing as far as when he was tapping into that voter base, he knew nobody else would tap into. Mm-hmm. He said some things that he probably wouldn't even regularly say because it's bad for business. Strategic. He's straight strategic. You know yeah, what I'm saying? His and don't get me wrong. But I, we knew he was an idiot. New York is new. Yeah, well, I want to I want to say a little bit about um to kind of we talked about like moral compasses and things like that. I want to take a step back from that a little bit because I think there's a way to look at it that can concept frame it a different way. Mm-hmm. So there are ways that we we can learn through stories that we tell. Mm-hmm. And the story that we tell doesn't have to be true in order to communicate the idea that we're trying to get across. So when we when we give a parable mm-hmm. or when we tell a story, it might it doesn't have to be a thing that happened for you to get the lesson in the thing that happened. Mm. And if your morals is you only can say what is true and what happened, then you may miss the opportunity to, to teach the lesson that you're trying to teach. Mm. So that's the way that narratives are op- operating and they're operating externally like that. And they're also operating internally. So the stories that you're telling yourself that may not be true are having an impact on you. Mm. Whether they're true or not, the the power of it is still the same. The power exists in the stories that you believe. Mm. It's not in the person. It's in the story that you believe about that person. Mm. That's the truth. That's perspective. And a lot of times, you know, that's perspective is you can see a person and they be something and your perspective is telling you who they are, what they are. And that's a lot of things with young black men is people are living out of their perspectives and they never dealt with them. That's why they can't sit with the squeegee boys. They can't sit with these young men because they're working in their perspectives, that they're violent, that they're this, that mm. they're that. So in that own case, that's why they can have that meeting and not have any of them present. How can you have a meeting about people and you don't have them? Because in that they don't have a lot of value. So I don't know. We can talk all day long about our community. Mm. <laughs> um, you being young, it's a blessing that you have your ear to the community uh, at 20. Mm-hmm. Uncle T is a fine man. Absolutely. Um, One I, of the greatest. I, actually, he's a fine guy. I went up into his spot that, um, just about two and a half weeks ago. Mm. And I was looking for Alex. Not not Alex. Um, Team Redemption. Yes, Alex, mm-hmm. yeah, Team Redemption. I was looking for them, and he and I went up stairs, and the door was open. So I walked up there, and he was back there eating lunch, and he talked to me, and he was like, "Listen, I don't keep my door shut, closed. I mean, locked." He's like, "It is what it is. I'm here for the community." You talking about 
Because I know Team Redemption, that's at Shea Streets right up the block. Yeah, but I walked into his spot because oh, I was you, looking you, for Team Redemption. The chain. Because, yeah, I knew that that was a spot, uh-huh. but I didn't know who was in that spot. Mm-hmm. And Uncle T is slated to come hit the mic. Box up Uncle T. So mm-hmm. we was talking about that. And I walked upstairs and he was sitting in the back eating. I didn't know that was where he was. And yeah. And let me say this, He said he don't lock too. his door. He I don't. Mean, he said, and, and I'm glad I'm like, you brought that up because he's amazing. He, we've been operating without funding since the end of the funding cycle as far as the summer program. Man, I'm talking about everything that we've done has been, you know, through various different donations here and there, you know, coming out of our own pockets, you know, and that's how he's continued to operate. Like, no matter what's going on, he keeps those doors open, you know, and then it go way beyond just having the center doors open too because we hit the pavement we in those streets and we had the candlelights and we... You know, we responding to situations, mediating conflicts. Uncle T is present. Absolutely, and that's that's and a real that's leader. And then that's when I walk up on you. You were present every time I walk up on you. Guys, you guys, y'all doing something in the community? That's amazing. We we you know what Pac says? You got to go where the people at, right? <laughs> that's what and, I'm at. And, and it's for far too long. The crime rate, the everything, the drama, the poverty, everything. Nobody was willing to go out and meet the people where they at. That's what you got to do? I believe in that. Go talk to the people, touch the people. Absolutely, because that's a real leader. You can always find a real leader, what, among the people. You can't separate them from the people, because at the end of the day, the real leaders realize- They are the people. They are the people, and it's all about the people. Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 you know, so many leaders deal with the people as a product. Mm, because it's business. And it's business. And so people are products. They they get, they get go and they set them in algorithms mm-hmm. or, or mm. they set them in data points. And mm. this this much is red and that much is green and this one is black. These people are blocks. Straight up. Cause, because we don't understand these graphs become internal that we're building like city planners. They, they say, oh, we care about how cities function. No, you care about your blocks. You care about your pies. You care about how all of that falls into the bigger narrative and how you're going to win. That's really how you what you care about because that's what the planning is. The planning isn't an inside out build; it's an outside in build. So when you're building from city hall, yes, you know the landscape, but you don't know the culture of that community. And especially if they hired you in from the University of Wisconsin <laughs> to come build um, Baltimore City, the grime that we got going down here. There's a whole different movement and what's going on and the culture of the community. And maybe where you grew up is a whole different perspective. Not that you can't plan for somebody else. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, the the planning that I'm seeing is removal. That's called, to me, that's not planning. That's removing certain people and bringing other people in. Gentrification, whatever you want to call it, that's the planning that I see. But we we have real neighborhoods here that no one's invested in until commercial entities come into the play. You know, I went to, this summer I went to the um, this little, it's over here in East Baltimore, I forgot what it is. I think it's a um, um, distillery. You, you know, they redid that building over in East Baltimore. I don't know the name of it. Are you talking about over there off um, Preston or I up think in that, that area? Yeah. They it's re- like a creative space over yeah, there across from those multi-units. Yeah, and I yeah, went yeah. To, yeah, the multi, and I went to, and I went to their grand opening, and, they said, and the lady was saying, who was a black woman? She said, this is the renewal of this neighborhood. We come here to renew it, and I said, "But the people been here for fifty years. Mm. What did? You, why couldn't you renew them first? Do you understand? So when they do, they come into a space, they rehab the space, they make it pretty, ribbon cutting, and then they talk about this is good for the neighborhood because now. And then, then what's so what kills me is they bring in 
a cooking space. So they bring in little restaurants in the neighborhood that are not from the neighborhood. Then now people should come and spend their money in something that's been abandoned forever from the city. The city owned these buildings at some point. So they were abandoned forever in this neighborhood, lighted up the neighborhood for years. Now you redid it in 2019. Now it's a creative space and you rent it to like eateries. So now the neighborhood's just so into that. And you still never renewed the neighborhood. So how's that renewing neighborhoods? That's renewing your narrative. And then at some point, those people won't be able to afford it because you keep, you know, you know, keep putting those communal community, um, which are commercial spaces. Your taxes, the tax base goes up. You price people out. In the same houses around these nice new commercial spots, they get, they turn a different color. Because the people who can invest in them aren't the people from the neighborhood. That's how you plan people out. And you tell them you have the community um, neighborhood's president there, and everybody's clapping, and the senator from that neighborhood, and the delegate. Everybody's happy. But these neighborhoods are still right around the corner. There's trash everywhere. It's, you know, them boys are still fighting for space right mm-hmm. around the corner. But then you said it renewed the neighborhood. But what, how do you renew the neighborhood if you don't invest in the neighborhood? You invest in a spot in the neighborhood for you. But that's renewable. It's the way that we go about things. We're not, we're not um, investing from inside out. We invest from outside in. We bring mm-hmm. people in. This, it's like city government is an outside entity. They, they don't live here. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? You would think city government will help, but they're like, they're outside in an entity. Like they come in as landlords. Like, okay, we're going to do this here. And once we do this here, you're not going to be welcome here. We're not going to say it like that. But what we're doing, you can't afford it. So you're in a neighborhood that's depressed, oppressed, suppressed, and you come in and bring your stuff in, further the oppression, depression. And suppression it makes no sense. That's what I see. So when I was there, I didn't see it was more people outside the neighborhood coming in for the ribbon cutting, you know, than the actual people in the neighborhood. So we need to find, like you said, we need new leadership to express funds throughout the city. And you said you are endorsing Carmichael Stokey Kennedy. Oh, uh, you on it? Okay. You know Carmichael Stokey Kennedy, man. He you know, he's he's up. your man for mayor. Is every look? This is not about me. This is ain't about no political endorsement. Mm-hmm. This is we don't need another politician in Baltimore City. We need a leader. We need a leader from the people for the people, and who is the people? Love it. Look, I want every young person right now, or if you a parent, or if you a school teacher, whoever's listening in right now, mm-hmm. if if you are a young person. I want you to repeat that to me. I am change. Mm. And, I, and if you're a parent or educator, I want you, when you see a child, or if you got a child next to you right now, make them repeat that phrase. I, I am, am change. change. I love it. We are change. We, we are, are change. change. Yes, we are right? change. And for young people, I'm telling you, we are the, yes, we are the future, but our future starts today. Because mm-hmm. Malcolm X once said, the future belongs to those who plan for it today. And for far too long, They've made us believe that these systems and leadership wasn't for us. They mm-hmm. want us to believe that when we turned 25 and did a degree, now we're ready to lead. Hell no. I am change. We are change. We are the change we need to see. We are the missing piece. You are. For real. No, for real. Because yeah, I'm, I'm with you, bro. As young people, we got to realize this. We operate 
between the adults and the impressionable children. Mm -hmm. Now you have a little more credibility to speak to the adults and them take you seriously, but the children are looking up to you now and they following what you're doing, not listening to what you're saying, following what you're doing. Because let's be clear about this. Children don't do what's told. They do what they see. Mm -hmm. So as young people, we got to realize this. We need to become the change we need to see. And for me, I needed to become the person I needed growing up. I needed a real big brother. And that's what I am right now to a lot of these kids. That's what's up. We, I need somebody to sell me some hope, teach me how to have a vision. Because all this around us right now, let me tell you something. All these, <laughs> the police raids, the shootouts, the wars, the deaths, the drugs, the destruction, the vacant houses, we never might be able to change that. We never can change our surroundings. But what we can do is learn how to outthink them. Mm. Love it. I think you gave the spiritual vitamin at the beginning. That's the truth. Uh, listen, as a young man... You, I am impressed. I, I know that there's hope for our community. Absolutely. I know that young black males are great. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's so many of you guys doing great things. They want to keep saying that you're doing this and you're drugging and you're thugging. And you, but it's a lot of you guys doing some amazing work. Mm -hmm. And you got to stay out here, bro. You got to stay out. You got to keep speaking truth to power. Um, keep educating yourself. Keep exposing yourself. And this thing you're doing with young people, this is great. I definitely, I want to hear from the youth. I think it's time. And Absolutely. we've actually, it's been too long. You know, mm. it, it's really been too long because we got to have every voice. Because um, everyone is, the impact of everything impacts people differently. Mm. And it impacts you from your perspective of how long you've lived too. Mm. So if you see a murder and you're 15, it's different if you see a murder and you're 50. Because mm. you've developed you've, you've developed some different strategies to deal with murder, to deal with death, because you're 50 years old. You've been able to experience some things. And the way that you explain it to yourself is probably differently because of your, your life experiences. But at 15, you have a limited amount of life experience. You have a lim limited amount of um, thought processes and experience. So the way you see that impacts differently. So even when we talk about anything in a family, you need to know what happened to the parent and mm. how they were traumatized. But you also got to know how it happened to the 12-year-old because their perspective on that same murder is different. And the way that they're going to live out that perspective is the scary part because that's where the trauma comes in. Mm. The trauma is the, is the, is the build-out for the child and the build-out for the 50-year-old. So... We need every perspective at the table. And when we're trying to plan these, uh, the city in the direction of what Baltimore City, because Baltimore City right now to me is stagnant. It's mm -hmm. waiting for like this fuel. Because after um, old girl Pew got removed, um, well, she resigned or however she got out of there. And then we got um, Jack Young as like an interim. And now he's running. And then, you know, it kind of switched the whole thing. So we like waiting because we know it wasn't a whole four years. It's going to be two years. And so now the second year is here. So what are we going to do? Man. Are we going to change what we're doing? Or are we going to do the same thing? That's Man. the question. Nah, for real. And you know but what? We got a lot of candidates. That's the problem too. Absolutely. That's, you know what? That is a problem. We are fracturing that is the vote a big problem ourselves. Because let's, let me say this. Trying up. to be superstars. Absolutely. A lot of these people are running for platforms. And not positions of leadership because they want to serve the people. A lot of these people yep. are power hungry. They want to get their name out there. And that's the problem. 
you know. Um, and yep. I I speak briskly on this. I got no bad blood, um, you know, for any of the candidates at all. Uh, you know, I all believe they all have um, a great heart for the city, straight up. Um, some people just have a heart for different parts of the city, <laughs> right? And That's the truth. I believe Hot if you were a part of the problem, point. what's going to change being a part of a solution besides a seat change? What's going on in your district? That's what's the What's going on in your administration that been a part of the solution that you believe that been a part of the problem? That, you, that you're not part of the problem? People should sit... Every time someone's sitting in a seat, the problems mm. haven't changed. Absolutely but not. But now we got to have a new way to approach them. That's why we never fix nothing. Because everybody comes in and they super, they super problem solver. They, mm. They're the SPS. So they come in with their platform and it was better than the last pro platform. Or it's more um, comprehensive than the other platform. Or it's tough on crime. Nobody knows what they're doing. Not one soul. Mm -hmm. I, what I told you and I tell anybody, the way to lead... It's through the people who needs to be led. Absolutely. Let me jump in and say this. Say what it. really sold me on Stokey, besides his past, you know, besides him being a real community leader, mm -hmm. um, I had a chance before I even really had a chance to really build a relationship with him. I sat in on the unveiling of his people's plan, right? And this was in the recent um, releases of everybody's comprehensive crime plans mm -hmm. and the whole hype around that. Stokey came out and he came and rolled out a people's plan. Wow. He said, in order to really address crime, we got to address people. the people. Yes. Right? And when I heard that, man, I was so moved and inspired. I wrote about it, you know, sent it to my um, editor over at the Afro. was hoping we can get it published. She said she put it in for January. Let's hope it'll come out at the end of this week or something like that. Um, we still got a couple more days. Let's hope it come out. Um, but really, when you got a leader that realizes it's all about the people, then it's no longer about business. Baltimore is a $32. billion operating city budget. $530 million has gone to the police department over the last two to three years. $47 million of overtime in 2018. Mm. What's going on with waste our rec centers? What's going on resources. with our schools? Or real waste of resources. Mm. And let me say this, too. Let me go on the record and say this, too. Let's get on I don't know why I get tight. Come on with it, bro. I'm, I believe the police are doing the best they can. I believe that city government, you know, a lot of these agencies are pretty much really trying to solve the problem. But you can't fix a situation if you don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. So while they may be doing the best they can, they still are pride, they, they're too prideful to say, you know what? I went to Yale and the, and the dudes that went to jail figured it out. And I'm too prideful to say that I, I need that help. Or I'm too prideful to hand over the resources that I have to the people I know can solve the problems. Then the, the ones that I know, know the shooters and the killers and the hitters. Because the problems is lucrative, bro. Mm. We, we are looking at how to help the people, but the problems is lucrative. And as long as there's money in the problem, you're going to have a problem. And the people who are most valued will be the ones who carry the problem around. That's in every society. As long as you can make money from people's problems, there's going to be problems. And then on top of that, the ones who are least valued in their society are the ones with all the problems. Mm. Every society. Check out the U.S. Check out the U.K. 
Check out Africa. Check out checklists everywhere. That is how it works. So I'm not saying the problems can't be solved. Mm -hmm. They can. But we got to do some inside out stuff. It won't be solved from outside in. Because they are vested in the problem. When you when your prison system is lucrative from the numbers of prisoners, then you're vested in arresting people. Whether you like it or not, when you are trading your prisons on the stock exchange and you're making money from the propensity of housing and relegating people, then you have to be vested in people being in prison because you're making money from it, right? So you can't talk out one side of your mouth and then, to, and then have prison stop. <laughs> Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, well, we're doing prison reform, but my family has made a couple million from my stock mm. in the prison. So if I'm going to do prison reform, my family going to get less money. We don't look at it like that. We look at it as the people need help. But the people are the problems, carriers. <laughs> so the only way to change the perspective, you got to change the people. Because they're going to keep the problems. And only time the people won't accept that problem is when they're powerful enough to not be able to accept it. And if you keep them broken down, you keep them hungry, and you keep them struggling with for resources, they will always be your problem carriers. That's it. That is why you never, ever address root cause. Because root cause changes outcomes. Just addressing the effect keeps your perspective. That's it. You feeling me, bro? Where we at? Oh yeah, we here with it. <laughs> so that's that's the pro so the only way I see for us as black people is you as a twenty year old, you got to change you and change your friends, and then their friends can try to change their uncle, and their uncle can try to ch change Big Mama. And Big Mama can try to change Pop Pop. And we can slowly in our own community, in our own families, change the narrative of how we move. Our nutrition, though our spirituality, mm -hmm. we got to check it. It's overtaking our movements. Not saying don't be spiritual. I'm saying don't be so spiritual that you're not earthly. Because mm. <laughs> you're losing the point. I don't think God want no punks in heaven. Real talk. So you got to do some work here. So we got to change our nutrition, our spirituality. We got to be educated. And I'm not saying we got to go and get 1,000 degrees, but you got to educate yourself on the system in which you want to grow in. You can't be in the system and, and want everybody to hook you up and chill and expect for that to work in this system. You got to know how this system works. So we got to educate ourselves on the systems in which we live in. And then, like you said, politics, as they call it, it is a tool. Damn. You got to have people in place. You need to set judges. You need to set legislation. That means all the spaces. So that's the layers of community, but it comes from inside out. But it starts with first how we're treating ourselves, self-care 2020. We got to do some self-stuff before we even want all of this other stuff because we are so far behind an eight ball when it comes to even wanting to go to a, a youth challenge. How you go to a youth Outfit and all your siblings hungry. Mm. Yeah, that's time for that. You're trying to go squeegee, but they won't let you do that no more. So what you got to do? 
Then you look at them, I got to make something happen because we hungry. That's the problem out here is that there's no real hope for you to even do more because you're trying to eat. It's serious. I mean, I don't know. I just, I know that we have to, as community leaders or community people, we have to continue the struggle, but the struggle starts in our own families. It starts right in our mindsets. How do we feel as people? When you start valuing yourself as people and understanding the greatness of you, then the little traps that set for us, we'll walk right over them. We walk into them because we're hopeless. When you're looking all around for people to help you, you can't see the traps. But when you're powerful, you're looking at your path and you walk around traps because your path is powerful. But when you're just walking in the path, you be bopping, looking for a cigarette, you know, your mind ain't right. And we got it right now. We under attack. That's real talk. It's not like somebody's throwing something at us. No, we're under attack with all the vestiges of living in America. And that is the the food, the food, the entertainment, the um, the, the technology, everything that we're consuming keeps us away from being great. So our consumption has to change. That's my thought. What you think on that? Sure. I said, look, the other day, man, we was just chilling on the TV, man, looking at the TV, watching the impeachment trial go on, right? Yes. I'm not understanding a quarter was going on up there. <laughs> and I look over at him and I said, damn, ain't this something? We survive all this in the hood. We still up against some big shit like that. You know, white supremacy, getting, let it be the day I don't get shot at. I live my whole life here. Don't get killed in East Baltimore and I move somewhere else or live somewhere in the county and get killed at a traffic stop by a police officer. It can happen. I say, dang, we up against some serious. We are. And and if we don't think we are, we are living for our, very, we, we're surviving for our very lives. Our children, I, you know, for mothers, I know it's mm-hmm. hard having young black children. You know, your children leave, you don't know. That's a hard way to live. That's, tra- that's traumatic. Mm-hmm. When you don't know what call is going to be your call. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on in Baltimore. People are waiting for the call. When you don't know where your son is, you know your child wild and you're waiting. Somebody either going to call you to pick them up or going to call a man to pick them up. Somebody going to pick them up. Mm. And that's what a lot of mothers are living through. And they have to work. And they have to feed the rest of their family. And it, But they're traumatized because they're worrying about little, little Mo. Yeah, little, little Joey. Joe. Little Joey. Where's that's Joey at? Little Joey. Where's and little Joey, Joey wild and chilling. Yeah. He's doing his thing. And then they, on top of that, they throw the chemicals, the pills in there. Mm-hmm. And, and the weed. The weed is changing too. Yeah, it's some When they start controlling, it's going to change. It's not going to be the chill weed no more. It's going to be something to knock you out or make you a zombie. That's what's coming down. Mm-hmm. So now we got all of these other stuff. And then you add in the food, the chicken box, and the yak, and the debbies. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, the sugar. When you, all of this food that's not nutritious, I'm just adding layers. Then you go to school and nobody ain't teaching you nothing. I mean, it's just so much stuff. What are we going to do? We got to dig out. Absolutely. We got to outthink this, man. That's the only thing we can do. Yeah, you got to Until the leadership it. come and they make the sweeping changes we need to see, uh, we have a responsibility to teach our community and our young people how to outthink all this. That's We're not going to be able to change it on our own. But guess what, Lord Joey? I know you can't read. I know your mother on drugs. I know your father not there. But trust me when I say this. 
I know how to get from here. Trust me, follow me. Believe that you are changed. Believe you can be great because I'm going to show you. That's but we had to develop a vision. That's Teach what's kids up. how to develop a vision. That's straight up. That's I like that. That's your, I think that's your... Um... <laughs> that's your LYT LWT that's the last one in Testament that was big right there <laughs> oh, oh, so alright talent I know you're a writer mm-hmm. you know you writing some things you put stuff on paper I don't know if you spit it out I don't know how you bring it out <laughs> but we do talent up in this zone so uh, you got talent for the people um what you got <laughs> do I got talent He's for the people alright look check this out you won't be able to hear it live, but if you get a chance to, if you move, um, I want y'all to Google the Afro newspaper and Google Antonio Moore. Just Google the Afro Antonio Moore. All my articles, all my writing should pop up. If it's ever laid on your heart, you know, go ahead and get those to read. It's about most of what we spoke about today. Mm-hmm. Um, some real food for thought. A lot of the, a lot of people that are read it though and can relate to it, it'll be preaching to the choir, you know, but the affirmation is important. Because it wasn't until I read D. Watkins, the B-side, in which everything just hit on me. Like, D. remember Watkins. I told you, like, I told, that's my big homie. We from the yeah, same hood and everything. I just met like, that big brother. Like, man, he the one that inspired me to write, told He's me to write. He's a bad man. Straight up. Like, he came to my, matter of fact, he came to my alternative school in high school, right? That's why I first met him at. He just released his second book. You know, we following him back to the... I'm meeting him, talking to him, right? We ticking together because we from the same hood. So we hit it all straight up. Like we knew some of the same people and everything. Matter wow. of fact, Condani Fidel, his little brother Twan, that's my guy. That's my man. That's how, you know, that's how much we had in common. I just we met was. him at a book signing. Man, I'm Educated telling you, he the real. Signing. Yeah, he I the, got he, his number. I said, D, you got to come sit down. Oh, I know D. Yeah, I man. just met him. He yeah. gave me his number and we gonna. he got to come hold sit on, with the on, box. On, you know him. Oh, no. He he's a, he's a, he's bad. Yeah, he, nah, nah. That's, that's yeah. He partnered. This is my he partnered with uh with our youth program a couple years ago. Okay, dude. He's straight up. He straight we up. Walk, we walk into the car right after he leave. You know, after he leaving out from my school, and we just talk and we like, dang, like he like, dang, Connie, you skinny as shit. He talked to Connie, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know how it is, man. It's that poverty weight. You know what I'm saying? That nutrition, it ain't nothing that's getting us. You know. Ain't nothing that's building us up on a on a you positive muscle. That's the poverty. You weight. just said something because you know I see saying? all of these little boys with these skinny legs. <laughs> can you say again where to find your work at? Afro? Yeah, please. Yeah, that's um. You can Google Antonio Moore, Baltimore, um, the Afro. Mm-hmm. That's the Afro American newspaper. Okay, and you um, do a column there. Yeah, so I, I got a column. Okay, I got a column. Um, and it's called the Lion Speaks. The Lion Speaks. We believe, look, until the lion learns how to speak, the story of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Always. You that know. was on my page all the time. Until the lion can speak or t- or write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna always be. That's right, the hunter. And big shout out to Muse 362, Miss Um Sharana Christmas and her program over there. It really allowed me to be an exposure that tap and helped me tap into. Um, my history and my past was maybe so. What's the name that, of the program? Um, Muse three sixty. Muse three sixty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New generation scholars. That's amazing. Um, a lot of amazing young, talented kids coming up from over there, man. So they. And the next, where are they? And that's over um at UB Blake. UB Blake. Um, third floor. They okay. there. Um, yeah, chosen the diaspora. A whole bunch of different organizations. Like I said when I came in here earlier, it, it is a shame that you know platforms like this. 
don't get the same exposure, the same resources yep. allocated. This thing should be just like the Breakfast Club, if you ask me. Well, this you know, is what we're going to do, We're going to blow it out We're going to take it there. We're going to put it on That's steroids right. for sure. We're we going to put the blow. You listen, you know what they said, blow up where you grow up. Mm. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're blowing up. We're not going nowhere. We're blowing up. I, 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 listen, I wasn't born in Baltimore, but I grew up mm-hmm. here. I came into Glen Morgan. I was a kid. Mm. And I've been here ever since. And I love Baltimore. So Straight you got to blow up where you grow up. Ain't no used to go to New York, ATL. Mm-hmm. We're going to blow this thing here right up and be more. It's a lot here. It's a lot of creativity here. It's a lot of music here. It's a lot of culture here. It's a lot of people doing great community work here. Mm-hmm. It is some good politicians here. We just got to find them. Absolutely. Straight up. <laughs> They're here. You said Young we found people, one. Young people, we are changed. I am changed. We I am are changed. changed. We are changed. We are changed. So let's get it right this election season, man. Please. Stoke for be more. And shout out your, um, your youth initiative on January 30th. Let's talk yeah, about one that. More time. One That's more time. That's the Youth Town Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, the, to all the 2020 mayoral Baltimore City candidates, the youth is bringing the truth. And you can find us at 615 North Wolf Street. The doors open at 5.30 p.m. for registration. You know, get on in there and we register you to vote. If you're a young person and you're showing up, we not letting you leave out that building until you register to vote. So yeah. April 28th, make sure we see you at the polls. If we got to pull up, push you up, whatever, drop the address, hit me up on my Instagram. We'll make sure you get there. Drop you that know. location pin, yo. That's <laughs> not for real. Squirrel wide, pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> real talk <For> real. <laughs> real talk We gonna do that Get out man. We gonna get out to them polls man. Yes. I'm telling you Trumpy gotta go shorty Trump gotta go These, shorty these, gotta these go. This, this current leadership gotta go And it's no bad leadership, blood All of them Look straight up Sweep I, them I, all I tell out people of there like this. Sweep them out Straight up man Look Stokey ain't running against nobody man well, He running I, I have We three, running for the people I ha- We do not endorse But it's mm-hmm. some These young new candidates I really, Stokey Love him Ricky Vaughn, love him. Um, these young people who are just not particularly can't who not um candidates before, they've not, they are really, really, they got a great message. Even that young man, I forgot his name, and I have to um I think his name was Antoine. He was at remember he was at that the debate, he had the earring in his nose. Was it an earring in his nose or was it his nose ring? <laughs> it's both of them. <laughs> I forgot yeah. his name, but I, I'm going to call him because that guy was good too. Yeah, but I just we, like the people who've not been in the system yet. Absolutely. They come with fresh ideas and they come from a people perspective. Absolutely. You know, so it's a few candidates like that. Um, we don't endorse, we want all of them to come in. Stokey is next. I talked uh-huh. to Stokey. We got to have him sit, sit in a hot chair. He got to box up. But um, he always he has a great platform. You know, he really does. He has a great people platform. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, he realizes it's all about the people. It's all about the people. Well, Mr. Moore, Lil Tone, we really appreciate you. You gave us a um, a last will and testament mm. when you talked about um, the young people voting. But I want you to leave a jewel from your perspective with the community. Like, um, yeah, leave us a jewel, like something so the community can inspire, you know, just your jewel to mm. the community. Last will and testament. Holler at us. You know, um, in honor of the great Dr. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. you know, um, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, all the greats. Um, he said, the true measurement of a man is not a time in comfort or convenience, but a time in challenge and controversy. You know, and for Baltimore's youth in Baltimore City, we are in a great time of challenge and controversy. Mm-hmm. But believe this, we home with the hardest ever. We got the most tenacity, resilience, mm-hmm. you know, and drive. And that's why we will become the change we need to see. So, young people, we are change. 
We are changed. We are changed. I love it. I am changed. I am changed. And we, we are, are changed. changed. Yes. Young people, box up. You got to come out and vote. Mm-hmm. And come to this um, youth conference. Um, it's not a conference. A youth um, initiative, right? Yeah, Youth Town Hall. Youth January Town 30th, Hall. January man. Come 30th. have your voice heard. All right, G. You got anything for Mr. Moore? Little uh, tone. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate the perspective that you brought to uh, this episode. And I think that are very inspiring for a young person to be engaged the way that you are mm-hmm. and to have the tools that you have um, to communicate and reach out to people. The written word is very powerful. So I, I hope that you have opportunities to continue to spread your message, uh, not just at the Afro, but at, at other places too, mm-hmm. um, to spread it far and wide because you never know who you might impact with that. And you are laying down a piece of the story that is important. Um, so that's kind of a comment for you. And if you're listening, whether you're listening live uh, or if you're on the episode, you enjoy what you heard here. Uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you happen to be hip, uh, listening. You can subscribe, leave a rating and a review and tell one other person who you think would benefit from this message. Also, if you can hear all of our past episodes at blackboxradio.com, that's B-L-A-K-B-O-X-X-R-A-D-I-O.com. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, hit us up at Gmail, I mean, blackboxradio at gmail.com. If you're interested in partnering with us to sponsor an episode or to collaborate in another way, we look forward to it. Mm -hmm. We are in the building. Also on IG, Black Box Radio, Facebook, you you can find us everywhere. Yeah, Twitter. We got about three things on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) But we coming, we coming, we coming. But yes, um, this has been great. This is a young, gifted in black series, Lil Tone. He brought it today. Um, We will have, for February, we, we will be releasing all young people who are doing great things in Baltimore. Because Baltimore is bigger than its problems. We got mm. some great things going to, going down in Baltimore. It is coming back. And we're going to get these murders down. And we're going to change the outcomes of black people and young black people. So, Lil Tom, we appreciate you. We nah, really do. Thank you for having me. It's a and, pleasure. And you got to come back. Give us an update from your perspective. What's going on in the community. The things you're doing. Okay? Absolutely. We wish you luck out there. I appreciate it. All right. Be blessed. Black Box Radio. We out. Peace.